Hey guys, how we doing? Black and White Christianity coming at you for another podcast. We're glad that you're here wherever you are around the world where you're tuning in. We're really excited tonight to have a guest on the show, Scott Cayley, uh, pastor and shepherd of the flock in Cornerstone Christian Church here in Brownsburg, uh, Indiana. Scott, how are we doing? Thanks for being here. Doing good. Thanks for the invite. Happy Absolutely. To yes, yes, yes. I've been like I was telling the guys, I've been looking forward to this all week and, and getting to have a discussion with you guys, and especially Scott coming on the show. Uh, Gary, Tyreek, how are we doing today, guys? Awesome. 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 Well, Scott, if you wouldn't mind uh, telling some of the viewers uh, about yourself, who you are, where you come from, and, and your ministry. Sure, sure. Uh, I was born right here in Indiana, uh, not in the Indy area, uh, but up in Northeast Ohio. Grew up on a farm. Uh, long Christian heritage uh, from uh, great, great, great grandparents, you know, involved in the faith. Um, um, most of my uh, family and thus my heritage was in the independent Christian church, Church of Christ. Um, so um, spent my whole life uh, in the church, had very personal relationships from memory until graduation. I had the same senior pastor, same youth pastor who both discipled me. Um, Gerald Moreland and Rick Smalling still in relationship with both of those men, Rick, uh, almost at least weekly basis and, uh, Gerald probably three or four times a year. So that's, that just has been such a blessing in my life. Um, both my parents, uh, again, still in the faith, still, still alive. Dad's 85, my mom's 78. They still serve the Lord and the church. Um, wow. Graduated from Cincinnati, uh, Christian university. Um, and, uh, after attending Purdue for a season, um, went to Cincinnati Christian university, got my, uh, both my degrees there, um, and almost 30 years in ministry now, um, 27 of them in, in the pulpit ministry and leading churches in Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan. Um, my wife, Audrey also been a lifelong Christian. We met at Cincinnati Christian university. We've got three beautiful kids. Um, my daughter, Lindley, um, who serves a church up in Toledo, getting her master's degree in uh, clinical counseling. Uh, my son, Sam, is uh, he's a student at Cedarville University here in, in or not here. We're in Indiana, uh, in Ohio and uh, uh, still adjusting. Uh, uh, and and uh, he's married um, and he and his wife uh, attend a church there in Springfield, Ohio. And my son, Luke. Uh, as a freshman at Kentucky Christian University, um, working towards a degree in uh, youth and family ministry. Um, and uh, been here at Cornerstone since April um, after um, near empty nest and uh, my parents getting older and just looking for a new challenge. Um, just felt the calling to come here. And uh, so been here since April and it's been a, been a great blessing thus far. Sounds like ministry awesome. deep in your guys' family. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, my, my mom's father um, was ordained in the ministry. He planted a church um, and then uh, continued to attend that church. They got a different minister uh, and he became a chemist. Uh, but yeah, long, long history of ministry in my family. That's, yeah. that's a blessing. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Well, I will say this, you know, it's such a I'm, I've been thoroughly uh, impressed, uh, you know, being under you uh, while you've been here. And I've been thankful that you uh, you're a part of the church now. Uh, one of the questions that I wanted to kind of lead off with tonight to kind of open up this discussion is and I, I'm going to I'm going to kind of tee it off to Scott and then I'll let the guys uh, ask or answer some of these as well. But 
What do you think are some of the main causes of casualness in Christians today across the board? What would you say some of those are? Um, well, I think so many of our issues, and st- in, including this casualness with Christianity, has to do with first love. Um, things that are first love issues to me, I will not be casual with. Um, you know, um, just apart from um, uh, from from our faith, I'm not casual with my wife. Um, she's she's a huge love with me. I'm not casual with my children. Um, I'm not casual with things, and 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 you take it into you know, in a material sense, those things that are important heirlooms to us, those things that, you know, whether whether somebody has a, a, a you know, a muscle car or a show car or or whether somebody has a, a, a piece of furniture, whether you're not casual with those things of value. And I think the truth is, you know, at just a very general 40,000 foot level, I think that this is really a matter of first love that that we are in love with so many other things that 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 uh, our our savior jesus christ uh god um our faith is just one of the things that we love it's not it's not a first love issue and of course jesus jesus makes issue with anything that we put above him right i mean he's mm-hmm. he does some of his most direct and strongest teaching are on the issue of first love. If you'll not leave your mother or father, if you'll not leave your son or daughter, then you cannot be my disciple. You, you, you cannot say you love me if there are mm. other things of, of equal or greater value. And I think uh, this casualness with Christianity is that faith is just one of the things we love. Uh, Christ is just one of the things we love. Um, and, uh, and so you're casual with things that aren't of, of premier um, and have supremacy in your life. If Christ uh, is not su- uh, supreme in your life, is he, if he's not preeminent, then of course you're going to be casual because he's just one of many loves. Mm. So what, how, how do I word this? Um, first of all, that was a fantastic. I, I love the, what you had said there about first love. And I think, I think that's so important to kind of address it and unpack that more, but what what do you say? What would we do uh, in the church to address this? Uh, you know, it seems as though the culture dictates more of how we uh, worship. It, it dictates more of how we follow our faith. It dictates how we run our faith. The culture dictates so much. And like you said, there are certain things in the culture that people do not take casual. It's very serious. If you have, uh, depending on what it is, materialism or a vice or something, that that is taken very serious. What mm-hmm. is it for some reason? And is is it is it something that's not taught in the churches? Not not yours, but just the church as a, when I say churches, I mean the church as a whole. Um, is it not taught? Is it not a, a staunchness to it? Are, are they not held to accountability? Like what what do you think we can do to uh, address uh, such a vast problem? Yeah, increase expectation. Um, you know, uh, when, if you increase expectation and I mean, not just, um, increase expectation for, um, I'm going to, you know, in Luke chapter three, uh, forgive me. Um, it's, it's towards the end. I want to say it's maybe like verse 16, 17, somewhere in there, but, but John the Baptist talks about, um, Jesus having a winnowing fork. I think the King James may say a fan or something like that. Um, but what he, what he is doing is he is threshing, right? And he's separating the chaff from the fruit. Um, 
And and I think and I and I think what what because chaff chaff cannot produce, right? Chaff chaff you I grew up on a farm. We cut wheat in the summertime. Um, uh, one thing we didn't do is we didn't gather the chaff and try to replant it because it won't produce. Right. Only the, right. only the fruit, only the seed will produce, right? And Jesus Jesus does these, for lack of a better term, he does these litmus tests throughout his three and a half years of ministry. And, and in each of these litmus tests, it raises the expectation for followership, right? And, and, and people, people drop off, right? I mean, on, on the other side of the lake, um, uh, uh, on the Sea of Galilee, you know, this is a hard, when he says, you're not drinking my blood and eat of my flesh, you have no part. And this is a hard teaching. Who can obey this, right? And many on that day left him. And so I think, I think to go back to what what uh, John the Baptist said of Jesus with the winnowing fork, the church has to we have to thresh. Right. One of my prayers uh, um, over the last three and a half years is, Lord, let me see fruit um, and not just obviously I want to be fruit. That's first and foremost is the prayer. But then, Lord, give me eyes. Uh, give me discernment uh, to see the fruit, the people that if planted in the soil will bring forth a harvest of many seeds. Right. Um, and Lord, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to s- devote myself to chaff. Um, and I think, mm. so to go back to what I said, raising the expectation like Jesus does is going to help us separate chaff from fruit. And, and, and those people that are fruitful, those productive believers, those people who remain in Christ, abide in Christ, those that are fruitful, they will never, they will never be casual with their faith. Now, I think so. So I guess this is a long way of getting to what I'm saying. Raise the expectation. You'll be able to identify the fruit, focus on the fruit. Right. And 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 then the, those that are casual, um, the truth is Jesus didn't chase. And so, um, you know, he didn't chase him. He set forth the expectation. He 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 did the threshing, and but he didn't chase the chaff he, and try to make them fruit. And and so I think that's something the church we raise the expectations of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We separate the chaff from the wheat, and and we we focus our time, energy, and effort on the fruit, on the wheat, on the seed. You know that can be planted and grow forth many seeds, which is which is. Make, multiplying disciples, right? Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I, I would, I would love to bounce off of this um, and 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 take it just in a slightly different perspective, but on the same train of thought. Which is, we should be doing that in our own life, right? Like we should mm-hmm. be cutting the chaff in our own life. Like we should be doing that so that so that he doesn't weed us out. Like we should be filtering, running our lives through a biblical filter daily what is it that is dead in my life that is that is that is placing this barrier between me and the love of god like what is that what's keeping me from serving him what's keeping me from reading praying what are the things and i am guilty of this i've got to i've got to do me and walt talk about this all the time i'm especially right now very busy and there's and there's and there's just there's so many things that can that that distract us in this world and 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 we need to like you said have higher standards for ourselves and each other and continually 
work and 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 weed out those things that are not fruitful and come alongside those who who also need that help and and hold each other to that to that higher standard. So that was great points. I'll let Tyreek hit it. <clears throat> no, yeah, I, I agree with everything that you were saying. Um, when when you had said first love for a second, I was I was like kind of like waiting to get like a little bit more from it and stuff like that. And you explained it. You also said something there that uh, that perked my ears and it's value. You know, mm-hmm. do do people value their mm-hmm. their faith in Christ? Do people value the sacrifice that Christ made for us to be able to be reconciled with the almighty and to have that opportunity to go, you know, um, a, a lot of people, a lot of people like to get imputed upon like, oh, my grandmother was this like, you know, giant in the faith or my mother or my father, or this or that. And, you know, that's that's what I just grew up under. So that's just how it's always been. That is so dangerous. And we talked about that in another podcast where you grow up being a fan and you never really understand what it means to be a follower. So that mm-hmm. that value is a beautiful proposition there that, you know, we got to value what we are looking at, what we have here. Um, increase expectations. Absolutely spot on what you said there as well. I also, you know, and then I just wanted to double down again that that under understanding. We need to have the understanding of what's what what time it is. You know, when you when you understand what's going on that that desire starts to develop within you to go that route because you understand what's happening here. It's not like you're just a part of it. Like you said, well, being very casual, that's just a casual way of Christianity, just to be there, clap your hands, listen to the pastor, preach into your ears, and then that's all you ever do is just, that's that's where you get all the word from the pastor on Sunday. Or you might watch like a little YouTube video or something during the week, like, it has to be more than that. And uh and uh something that we didn't talk about yet. I yes we did. Uh Gary just brought it up. I wrote down ensign, you know, somebody to a uh, a pillar, somebody to look at and be like, Oh, you know, that's that's how it's gonna go. When we when uh me and Walter was in the military, we always had um there was always somebody there, you know, a guy that's popping to the top of my head is uh steel. We had we had a uh, funny enough. His name was Steel, and like he he was just excellent at everything physical fitness. I mean, there's nobody if if somebody beat his record, he'd go behind them and then beat that one. Like he was the he was the soldier soldier as far as physical uh, activity goes, which is a big part in the military. So, you know. As much as much as you probably are not going to train hard enough to catch somebody like that, just the <laughs> pursuit and going that way, that pursuit, that inside, that somebody to look at to be like, okay, it's possible because I see that. So now I'm gonna wrap that back around to Christianity. It's possible to get in my prayer closet every day and and um and read and pray and have time away from my family away from everybody because i seen Walter do it it's possible to go out on the street and you know and and talk to people who are are lost and and you know give them food and give them water and talk to them about the good news of Jesus Christ why because me and Walter did it i got to see it 
you know, and and people, you have to see things. A lot of times people are like, you know, I don't want to say anything um, about what I what I'm doing or what I've done because you know there goes my blessing. That's a that's a misinterpretation of scripture. It's a, it's a heart posture. If you're doing that so people can praise you, like, oh man, Walter, you're really going out there and getting it done. That's your <laughs> reward. But if yeah. you're going, if you're doing that so people can see you and hopefully your example of fervency and zeal could be could be looked at and be like, man, I need to be like that. I need to be moving in that direction. It's you have to see how it's done. Just like you work inside a trade, you work under somebody who's doing it already. And then you get the understanding from them as you go because they've been there, done that, and they can help you. And you're still learning your own thing. So it's very important to also have something to see. So when you say set the expectation, from what I understand about you, you set the expectation in your church. Everybody that that I know that attends your church has nothing but good things to say about you. How you bring the message, how you present yourself. Just from talking to you right now, your family man, I, I, I see no fault. You know, I, I would I would attend your church. So I mean, like this, this, that's one of those things. You know, you have to have the example. So I'm sorry I got fired up. This is this is actually awesome. It's, it's I'm learning a lot. So I got fired up right there. I apologize. No, I want to I want to just say a couple of things off of what you said, Tyreek, with this example. That's Paul saying, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." Some mm-hmm. people make an arrogant statement. But Paul's going, my standard is Jesus. I've sought to emulate that standard with my life. And then the call to others that follow me is imitate me. And I'm, I'm imitating Jesus. And, and it's that idea of, of yeah, the, to, to use your illustration of, of steel, you know, he set what's possible. And, and so I may not attain to, to that uh, until you know, obviously we seek to attain to the full measure of Christ. We seek to, we seek to, but that's the standard. And Paul goes, and so as if, but any, think about this. Jesus obviously will remain uncompromised. He is the plumb line from which all of our, our squareness is measured, right? That's uncompromising. But if the next person goes, well, maybe this is good enough. Look at how it affects everybody else that follows, whoever follows them, then all of a sudden you get down, you know, a few people or a few generations from that. And we get that generational slide where they don't know God and they don't know what God has done because somewhere each person has compromised on something in this, in, in this, this chain. And so Paul says, imitate me. I imitate Christ. And that's uncompromising. You know, I will not compromise on that. I won't say, well, you know, um, it's it's a good movie, and I realize there's some sex in it, but it's such a good movie, right? It's <laughs> a good point. Right. That's, that's, yeah, it's all of a good. sudden, that's that's a compromise, and now my standard my standard is compromised for who's following me, and that standard is compromised for who's following them, right? Right. right. Can't lead by we can't lead by example without showing an example, right? Right. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. The so let let me ask this then. <clears throat> I'll, I'll switch switch it just a tad here. What's the danger? Of being casual, you want me to what, well, well, whatever across the board. Yeah. What what danger or pitfalls or or destruction can come from being casual? What are what are the symptoms that can start to seep into one's life sure. when they were taught by a pastor or 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 an elder or whoever was their example of Jesus that this was 
this was all it was. And so they, they're just doing what was emulated for them. And right. somebody comes alongside that doesn't do it that way. And they look holier than thou, that, that phrase that will label somebody that's very serious about Christianity. What's the danger of, of, of being casual since we've talked yeah. about what causes it. Now, what's the danger in it? I'll talk, I'll talk from the top. The danger is, is people have built their house on sand because, you know, I've told them I've, I've, you know, people look up to, to, you know, like there were people, like I mentioned, Gerald Moreland, Rick Smalling, those pe- those guys were foundational in, in, in my, along with my parents and my older siblings and stuff, but, but those guys were foundational. And, and if they were casual, then, then, then my house, my house that I built, built upon those men that I looked up to, um, my house is compromised. You know, the rule of, you know, when you want to square a corner, right? Three, three, four, five, right? Three foot, four foot. And if you go the angle five, that's a square corner. But if I go three, 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 you know, if I, or, or, or whatever, now I don't have square. And now, mm-hmm. and now everything's out of plumb and I have, I have a very shaky house. And so I think that's the real danger because there are people, uh, and I guess I look at it from a sense of a pastor. If, if I live a compromised life, there are people who, 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 and I'm not trying to be anywhere sh- puffed up, but there are people for whom they begin to find their foundation in my example in my teaching, right? And um, and and so they look if, to the man essentially, right? They look to the man instead of the savior. Sure, and that's and that's a danger. That's a danger in of itself. We can go down that path, but but you know, in going back to this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If again, if I am compromised and people begin to you know, they go, okay, this is what this looks like. This is what, this is what Christ, you know, realized in the life of someone who, who calls Jesus Lord. This is what it looks like. If I, if I go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to imitate that. And that's a compromise. That's a casualness. um, Then, then my house has been built on sand. Hmm. I, so I would say it's going to lead to a. I was just going to say it's 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 going to lead to a lack of repentance, right? Like if like if you're casual, you're not going to take your sin serious. If you're not going to take your sin serious, you're not going to. There's not going to be any repentance because you're not going to feel the need to. You're not going to see it. You've got to be able to humble yourself and bring yourself to that. You know, to that level that that knowledge of okay, you know, this is this this is where I fall short. I've got to understand that. I've got to recognize that. I've got to acknowledge it so that I can have repentance. If you're going to be casual about it, you're not going to recognize your sin and you're just going to keep going. You know, you're going to keep slipping back and it's just going to get you in a real bad position. What were you going to say? Sorry, Walt. I know you're about to. No, it's all, it's all good. I think, I think a lot of this has stemmed from a bad (laughs) doctrine that's been preached. Uh, And one of the things, what comes to mind is when you become casual, you start to buy into certain things like uh, once saved, always saved, uh, a sinner's prayer, certain things like this that essentially give you a false sense of salvation. You no, know, I, I did this one thing one time. Um, I, I wrote my name on the back of a tract and I handed it into the church. You know, I, I'm saved. I'm good. I can live my life however I want. And when somebody asks me, are you a Christian? I immediately say yes. And those around me look at me and say, Apparently, that's what Christianity is because they don't know. And that's now their example is this person that's become very casual because of this bad doctrine that's been preached. So I'm going to unless somebody wants to respond to that or respond to this thing, I'm going to move on to something else. Tyreek, do you want to say something? 
Yeah, I'm going to say doubt. Like, you know, when you're a casual Christian, it's easy for doubt to creep in because, like Pastor Scott said, you know, um, you instead you you are looking to a man. You know, you're not looking to God. Your relationship with the faith is not via Christ. It's via a person. So, mm-hmm. you know, we see these examples in, in, in real time, like big names, people that are very like renowned falling off from christianity they're renouncing it they're leaving it alone they're like you know i can't get with it anymore and with them doing that other people are going that way too because now it's like this is who i've been going to to get this message if this person is stumbling and falling off then it must not be as good as it was because they haven't gotten it the bible says oh taste and see how good god is like they they haven't tasted for themselves they've gotten everything regurgitated from somebody else they haven't they haven't experienced it themselves. So like, you know, when somebody falls off or something like that, or somebody does something that somebody doesn't appreciate, and they like, and that's not really Christian. Like I've run into that too many times in my life where people have stepped away from the faith because of something a person did in the church. Not necessarily the pastor, but just somebody in the church that's supposed to be like Christ, but they did something in their flesh instead of they sold to their flesh instead of to their spirit in that moment. And that completely turned somebody off from wanting to like have anything to do with church and God and everything. And that's scary. That's scary because that's on them. So doubt is a big one for me i like casual christians that this it's too much doubt there's no faith there they have not they don't have their foundation in christ so is do you think that one of the symptoms of being a casual christian or maybe i should say shifting blame is giving the devil too much credit do you think we do this a lot have you heard people do this and if so uh, what's what's the symptoms of giving the devil too much credit, Scott? Since you're the guest, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce. You'll you'll always get first. Jack, always get first. Always lead off. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You always lead off. <laughs> uh, I you know I, I sometimes I want to jump in, but I also I always want to be respectful. So um, understood. You you know giving the devil too much too much credit. Obviously, we have an adversary. We have someone. Um, who stands as an accuser, right? But as James puts it, it is by our own evil desires we are dragged away and enticed. Um, Satan, Satan um, is is he, he's a mere suggester, right? And uh, so so he he goes, oh, there's shiny fruit. It'll it'll that's it, all it takes, right? It, it, he he first of all he provocates with with the look at the shiny fruit, and then. And then he says, you know, the truth is God's holding out on you. He 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 brings that into into the existence. But he is a mere suggester because it is our desires. It's 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 the 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 person wanting to be God that 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 causes us to make that choice. Satan is a suggester. He understands, you know, um, that that we have these desires. Um, within us that um, can be enticed, but but there is no the devil made me do it. Um, it is it is our own evil desires that we're dragged away and enticed. You know, I mean, when uh, uh, we could say the devil produces the porn, but he can't make me watch it. You know, the devil. We could say I God has get just just as if. 
God has limited himself in such a way that he will not force himself on me, even though he is omnipotent and he could. The, the devil is he's he's limited by time and space. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He is he is he's really good at suggesting. Um, but I but but it is my desires that and I have to acknowledge that, right? I have to acknowledge the here's here's the thing. And, and, I'll, and I'm sorry, I don't want to take too much time. I'll go really quickly with this. But but God has told us to be bold in facing the devil, right? Resist the devil mm-hmm. and he will flee. God has told us to flee our desires. And, and, and Satan, he literally turns that on its head. And he says, mm. he says, oh, you know, Fear me, but but you could be to use the word that we were talking about earlier. You could be casual with your desires, and, mm-hmm. and that's not what God God does at all. Uh, he tells us you you be bold in the face of of the accuser, and you you be a coward in in uh, confrontation with your desires. Uh, say, Satan's always that's, on offense. Satan's always on offense, right? We're on defense. If you know, if if I'm a cornerback and I just you know take a playoff and be lazy about it, you know he's gonna you know Satan's gonna score every time. He's gonna get you know if if we miss a tackle, we're, what's our defense? Our defense is the Word of God, prayer, and making sure that our foundation is Christ. Period. We can we have no defense without him. Satan. You know, we we allow Satan to 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 infiltrate our lives by being casual. So, you know, he's always on offense. We got to be on defense, but not in our own strength and his strength. And, it's you know, we've always got to be thinking we always got to be praying that his will is done in our lives. And, and, and Jesus says, you know, those who love me will follow my commands. All right. So that so we so we always have to be, you know, um, you know, taking a step back, looking at our life. And evaluating and seeing where where are we letting our defense now? Where by the you know by God's word by His standards, where are we letting our defense down? You know where are we letting our guard down? Because when we do that, I mean, say say that's how Satan scores. It's but but it's by our own, you know, it's our fault. You know, we can't put the blame there. We gotta you know we've got to take the blame ourselves. I think I so, think that's the go ahead. So I, I'm going I'm to touch on what Gary said there for a little bit. Like, I, I was always in that state of mind, and I'm not saying that it's wrong. It's very much about your percep- perception of the situation and how you see things. So I'm going to bring my point of view to it. To me, we need to be on offense. Like, yes, he's a he's a defeated foe and stuff like that, but he's still a very real and present threat to us. So, like, our, our, we need to be on offense, not so much defense. When we're on defense all the time, we, we look at our scenarios and we go, okay, I got this covered and I got that covered and I got that covered. All right, I'm good. Sounds more like you're trying to stay fortified inside a section. And if you look through, and like I said, I'm not going against you because it's how you look at it. But when you look at scripture, 
persecution came so that the church could spread out. We want we wanted you to not stay centralized. We get that you have it, but these people need it. So you have to go out from where you are. You can't stay here. The Lord is our strong tower. He He goes with us. He leads and we go and we go. That's our strong tower. So wherever we go, we got our defense in Christ. Our offense has to come from, like you said, Gary, again, knowing yourself. I'm weak in this place. I give myself, I give a, a testimony about myself. I was a extreme procrastinator. I grew up in a, in a house full of procrastinators full of last minute people, full of like, when something blows up, that's when I'll do it. And like, I lived my life chaotically like that for years. And I, I'm, um, you know, the Lord, I was never a reader. I never got into like, you know, um, other books or anything like that. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I was reading scripture. I, it wasn't really until I met Walter. And Walter, like, you know, he was just like talking to me about it. We grew in the Lord together. And this is over time. It wasn't like it was like, boom, met Walter and everything was good. But like Walter had Walter had the father figure. You know, Walter had like the steadfast father figure. Walter had the other men in his life that was like showing him different things like that. I didn't have that. The devil was keeping me from all of that. You know, I didn't grow up in that in that capacity or that way. So through my relationship with him, I got to see, oh, this is that, you know, oh, okay, this is that. So as time goes on, I started to attack my procrastination because I knew it was my enemy. Procrastination was my enemy. Overeating is my enemy. Um, just sleeping was my enemy. Just, just all the time. Just whenever I get a free moment, going to sleep, that was my enemy. And I had to actively go after those things. This is where I'm weak. You have to have an accountability. You have to know that about yourself. And then you have to attack that thing. Because like pastor said, um, you, the enemy knows those desires. He knows the things that you got going on. They've been watching you long enough to understand that like, yo, you slide this right here, right in front of Tyreek, that boy's done. He's he's going for that. There's no way. And once you know Christ and you understand what Christ says, this is not for you. That's not for you. You could do this, but don't do that. You could go up to this point, but no further. When you start to get serious and not casual, intentional about how you live your life, purposeful and a in a state of attacking always, then you see this thing and it's just like. I need that not to be anywhere in my vicinity. I need that to be gone because if I allow your your intentions follow your attention. So like if you pay attention to something long enough, you are going to act on that thing because it has your attention. So you have to remove those things actively, violently when they're in front of you. When you know that you have weaknesses in that way, you have to run. The Bible said run. God makes a way of escape. Sometimes you have to run away from some stuff. So that's that's it. If I could jump in real quick, Walter, before you get in there. The, yeah, yeah, go ahead. The proclamation of Jesus as the son of God is an offensive weapon, right? Because mm-hmm. it, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, and so that's that's, you know, that, that's taking the offense uh, uh, um, to to the gates of hell. That's taking the that weapon of the proclamation of Jesus Christ uh, and the gates of hell. And I don't see that as the literal gates of hell. I see that as the gates of hell in, in every individual where Satan has taken someone captive. 
you know, and the proclamation of Jesus Christ in that life breaks down those, as Paul says, those weapons, not of the worldly weapons, the spiritual weapons that break down strongholds um, in people's life. The gates of hell, it's an offensive thing. I want to touch on what he said real quick, and then it's all you, Walton. Like you said, the gates of hell, like, I'm so glad you said that, because it just reminded me of something that I, like, I, I learned not too long ago. What, what what are gates designed for? To keep stuff out or to keep things in? They're, like, have you ever been attacked by a gate? Like, you ever been walking like, huh, a gate? Like, that that's, that's not how life works. You don't get attacked by a gate. It's a defensive thing it's it's a way to keep something in and a way to keep other things out so like the gates of hell is all you ever hear about a defensive measure so that that's what like yeah like you said pastor that's just perfect in that example like of of you know that the enemy is the on the defense we need to be on the offense so like yeah i just wanted to touch on that one real quick too while you said it go ahead well i'm done it's all good. I, you know, everybody has these things that are bubbling up and I don't want you to forget. So by all means, get in there and shout it out. Uh, I, I have a piece of paper next to me because I know that if, you know, sometimes you forget. So I just try to write it out. So it's all good. Um, one, one of the things I think that we, what happens and I'm going to speak just briefly and I want to ask another question is I think when you pass the buck and, and you're the victim of your own story, you'll never change. So if it's easy for you to say, well, you know, it's the devil. Well, that's just who I am. You know, you identify your life with the sin. I'm an angry person. My dad was an angry person. His dad was an angry person. So I'm angry. That's just who I am. When you identify and you own it and it becomes your identity, it is so much more difficult to identify it in your own life that it's sin uh, because it's it's now who you are. And, and you tell people, this is who I am. I beat women. I don't care. My dad beat women. I beat women. We all beat women. So if a woman gets with me, I beat her. Like, that's who I am. You've identified yourself as that. Um, and so when when all you do is blame the devil or you blame uh, a generation's past, so some would call it generational sin or, or whatever the case may be, when you when you label that, uh, ultimately you have caged yourself into a place of never changing because you've identified with it. Um, so that's all I wanted to say on that. I wanted to ask another question because uh, we're getting close to the end here, but I, I did, I, I discussed this with Gary a little bit today and I wanted to pose it to you here as Christians. And this is a little off topic, but it's, it's to close us up here as Christians. Do you see a lack of keeping the Sabbath holy anymore? Do you see as Christians, as men in, in society today, if mm -hmm. somebody came into your house after church and they and and they're they're per, would they recognize anything different about that period of time as a, as it compared to every other day of the week? What are your thoughts? Well, obviously, I, I think there's some validity into in the in the question in that um, to. And there's just all of these are kind of themes of this casualness, right? And, sure, it, and, is, uh, it is. I'm glad yeah. you picked up on that. Yeah, you know, and and so I think I think as far as the most blatant thing I see, um, Sabbath is the is is this this Lord's Day and how casual we become with the importance of of it's the Lord's Day, right? Yeah. And it's not mm -hmm. my day. We've we've become casual in that way, shape, or form. Now. Do I think like like when I would go and visit my grandparents in Cincinnati who were old, old school, right? I could my my great we would go visit my great grandmother who lived next to a park. Now, I could sit on the swing 
but I couldn't make it move, you know, because right, that's right. working on the Sabbath, right? Um, so, so I mean, it was. I, I, I think there's, I think there's this idea of of not being Pharisaical, but but also that this is the Lord's day, right? This is the day that 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 the church has met and focused on. First of all, let me go back and say this is the day the church met. Do not give up meeting together as someone in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching, the capital D day approaching. You know, we we I, I don't want to get all into eschatology, but but we don't know today, tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, there is a day approaching. And so we should not be casual about meeting together. I think there's a casualness in that. But I want to kind of go a different direction, and this may get me kicked off the podcast. But um, <laughs> I, to say that I also think that in a in a in a culture that's activity addicted, there is a casualness about Sabbath period, right? Mm, absolutely. And this is this is in in full transparency. Um, I was taught that 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 Sabbath is lazy to to be still. To be in mm. solitude and to be quiet is to be lazy. That's my, and I'm not to go back on what you said. I'm not being a victim of my environment. I'm just telling you <laughs> right. those are the battles within. And so mm. I think we're not very good at keeping, at, at getting alone, getting out of the traffic. I do like the way Peterson paraphrases, be still and know that I'm God. He says, get out of the traffic. I think that's, that's such a great way of looking at the traffic of your life and the things get out of there and, and, and be quiet and be alone and be still. And that mm -hmm. way, I think that we have grossly neglected the Sabbath. You know, not, not to mention it is in the 10 commandments, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not, it's not for God. It is for us. And Jesus emulates that too. He says Sabbath was not made for God. It was made for, it was designed for man. It was to give him rest. And so I think if we would look at it in such a way, it is a reset. If if we didn't if we didn't have Sabbath, if we didn't have the Lord's Day, if we didn't have this holy day, which holy means to set aside or to make separate, uh, so this day has to look different than any other day. Not only that, this is the only command that animals made it into. You don't have your animals do anything. You don't have your servants do anything. Your slaves, your children, your wife, you. Nobody does anything. You rest. You recoup, you you get ready for the next. If you just 24-7, hey, this is just another day for us. I'm going to do things and get stuff done, and I'm going to get my to-do list checked off. Then what difference does it make? If we're going to pick and choose what we follow as Christians, then pick and choose only what makes sense for your life. Because it, we've, and I've said this on the podcast, and Tyreek's heard me say this a million times, but you don't break scripture, it breaks you. And so you don't adjust it doesn't adjust to your life. You adjust to how it talks about it. And so I was pondering this today because uh, let me just say a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, there was a multitude in this country that you couldn't even go out in stores on Sunday. Everything was closed, nothing. You couldn't mm -hmm. do anything. And so as time went on, we've become a busy culture. And so it's become harder and harder and harder to be on fire for the holy things. And we've just become casual about everything everything is just one big blur hold on i gotta pull up my calendar i got stuff to do and sunday's no exception 
I'm going to, I'm going to go to the game. I'm going to get groceries. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, and it's not going to look like any, it's just going to look like any other day. And so when we look at the commands, you know, we focus on the big ones, right? Well, I haven't murdered and I, I care for my folks. You know, I, I don't dishonor them. I love the Lord, your God, you know, all of these things, but do we honor the Sabbath? Do we keep that holy? Or is that easy to be casual on? So uh, anybody else want to speak on that um, before we move on? Okay. Well, I, like, well, I like the reset aspect of it. Just the, just the reset aspect of it, because, you know, just, just thinking about it from a common, common sense standpoint, like if we, if we take that time, if we do take that serious, it is a chance to reset and refocus, right? Because so much of this world distracts us and pulls us away from God. It really does give you an opportunity to shut it all down, mm-hmm. refocus on what's important, and that is the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And and I'm going to jump in, and I'm certainly not contradicting you, Walter, that, that the Sabbath, God gave it to us. But remember, that's a vertically focused command. Absolutely. No, you are. You're correct. That's, that's a vertically. So, so the idea is, as you know, of the first those first four are our vertic- vertically focused. And so right. that Sabbath idea is to centralize um, our ourselves. It's if it, I'd like your word reset um, because, you know, it's to bring us back. Not that we don't live every day in the Lord, but we realize that stuff does. I mean, right. We, we live in a world just like Jesus lived in that, that people do have to work. We have to be parents. We have to, all of that stuff and that day is to get us that that continues to spread us out is to gather all of that stuff up and and vertical I was trying to think of verticalize if that's a word I don't know vertical we'll take it I'll take that word <laughs> to verticalize yeah. that stuff and make sure that everything honors God you know it's the hmm. day to say okay I've got to align myself vertically I want to make sure right. that everything I speak everything I say, uh, everything or everything I speak, everything I do. It, it's it's vertically aligned first. Even my love, my love is only made pure if it goes vertical first. If it mm-hmm. goes to God first, and God purifies that love. And here's the cool thing: God then pours that back. Then then I then I pour it out into others. But but I have to go through the filter of Christ first. That has to. And I think the Sabbath is one of those ways where we get that, we get that verticality back. Um, when we're, sure. we're spread out horizontally. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's, a, it's meant for you to quiet yourself. Mm-hmm. It's meant for you to spend time with uh, the brothers and sisters and then to spend time either alone or in prayer or to rest. You know, mm-hmm. we do so much and we're a hundred mile an hour culture. You take your phone and your eyes are always going. You're in your car and your wheels are always going. You're at school. Your mind is always going. You're going. And so to reset, to be rested, and it's not to – you do a microcosm of this every night. You go to sleep. You, you re, If you went a couple days without sleep, as Tyreek and I both have done, you start to fail at <laughs> basic things. If you go more than that, you start to hallucinate on things. You're no longer able to function. And so spiritually speaking, you need a day to say, you know what? These are things I could do, but I'm not going to. I'm very capable of doing these things that any other day I could do. That's why I said six days you have work. It's not to say work is bad. 
And it, it work is encouraged, but in in its place. And you are to set a day aside for him. It's not for me. It's not for you. It's for him. So that's that's the point I was trying to make. So if, does anybody else have any final comments before we close for tonight? Okay. Scott, I tell you what, buddy, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for so, having me. I appreciate thank it. You for, thank you for being here. Uh, Gary Tyreek, always great to see you guys. Wherever you're listening across the world, I know uh, I've been looking at the uh, analytics and we have listeners all across the globe. Uh, to brothers and sisters, be safe. We're praying for you, and may the Lord be with all of you. We love you guys.